0: How many of you have ever been to a foreign country before? Anybody ever been outside the U.S.? Okay. Uh, quite a few of you. Awesome. So it's called foreign uh, because, and this is like dictionary definition, it is strange and unfamiliar, right? Strange and unfamiliar. And it's it's probably strange and unfamiliar to us um, because wherever we went, they probably spoke another language. Uh, maybe they um, didn't live in the same sort of conditions that we lived in, or they eat different foods, they speak a different language, they dress different, they look different, whatever, you know, you know the list, right? But if you've been to another country, um, and you've interacted with people there, um, I don't know about you, I, I, I have been, um, I started to think, well, like, maybe I'm the one that's a little strange and unfamiliar, right? Didn't that make a little bit more sense? Um, when I was growing up, which I grew up in Hennessy, just south of here, there was a Hispanic church um, <clears throat> there, and a bunch of my friends went there, and I had uh, been there before. I got to go and attend, and of course, the worship, the preaching, um, everything was in Spanish, and so it was, it was awesome. It was a really cool thing to experience. The rest of the service was pretty similar to what I had experienced before, um, but obviously the language was different, so I didn't really know what was going on as far as that goes, but um, then I got invited to go on a mission trip with them, with, with uh, a few of them from that church, to Mexico. And um, I was the only white person that went. I was the only non-Spanish speaking person. In fact, I was the only white person um, on the entire trip, like the whole, the whole time, even while we were down there. Um, we went to Juarez and we worked with a local church there and we uh, helped build a house. And uh, we served in a lot of different ways. We served with families and we played soccer with kids and we helped hand out food and we helped hand out clothes and things like that. And I remember getting weird looks from, the adults, but especially the kids. Um, and they would come up to me like I was some sort of creature. Um, uh, just big, tall, goofy, white kid, right? Who was really bad at soccer. Um, and so they just sort of, they thought it was hilarious, but they sort of just, like, like just came to me. They flocked to me a little bit. And it wasn't because I was cool. It wasn't because of my personality or anything like that. It was because I was different. I was strange. I was foreign, right? Um, and that's what distinguished me from them. Um, we all have things that distinguish us from everyone else, right? Um, and you know how this works just in everyday life, whether you've been to a foreign country or not. This just happens to us now, right? Guy walks in here with a with a, um, a Letterman jacket on. Your first thought is, well, he prob- probably plays sports or something like that. Maybe he's a jock. Girl comes in and her backpack's so full that it's like starting to rip, and she's about to fall over backwards. You might think she really cares about her grades, like she's she's really studying them books, right? Guy comes in with like Mario or Zelda or Minecraft on their shirt, and you think, probably a gamer, right? Probably somebody who plays, plays video games. Um, I, in this area, we, most of us have uh, one of two things that distinguishes us. If you wear crimson, then you're an OU fan. And if you wear orange, then you are wrong. Yes. Ah, gotcha. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And these are all stereotypes, right? These are stereotypes, may not always be true for sure. The letterman jacket could mean anything. Uh, heavy backpack could mean anything, right? But we all have distinguishing marks that a lot of people when they see those distinguishing marks, they tend to put us in a certain group, right? Um, and, and those marks being in those certain groups helps us connect with other people and have relationships with other people. Um, and, and a lot of times, those marks might either draw someone in to us because they go, "Oh, I think I can relate to this person," or it pushes them away. They go, Oh, yeah, not the type of person I want to hang out with and be around." I um, so it begs the question as we start up this series on relationships: What are the marks, the distinguishing marks that set us apart as Christians? If you call yourself a Christian, what would that be? What is the distinguishing mark of a Christian? What is what is the mark that others see in you? As a Christian, and does it push them away or does it draw them in? Um, Well, Jesus tells us in John 13 what that distinguishing mark should be. John 13, 35, he says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the distinguishing mark of a Christian is the way that we love one another. That's what it is. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is the way that we love one another. In other words, how, how do we, who claim to bear Jesus's name, how, how do we show ourselves to other people? How do other people know that we, that we really follow him? Is, is it that we, we don't cuss very much and we wear a cross necklace? No, right? Is it that we like to post things about God um, and, and Bible verses on our Instagram? No, It's not even like, well, I read my Bible and I go to church pretty frequently. It's not anything like that. Those things are all fine. There's nothing wrong with any of those, but that's not it. It's all about how you love people, period. It's about how we love people. So in this series, we're going to look at the different people that we have relationships with in your life. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about friends and essentially everybody else in between. And I don't have to convince you that doing life with other people is the happiest and also the most stressful experience at the same time, right? We all experience that. One moment, you you can't wait to be around your friends. You can't wait to be with your family. And then the very next moment, you're just like, I want to go to my room. I don't want anybody to talk to me. (laughs) Like, I locked the door, and I just, I never want to come out. I'm just tired of people, right? It's a daily struggle. And believe me, I understand that. But in this series, we're going to talk about this fact, the fact that we were made for relationships, okay, we were made for relationships. We're also going to look at what what it means to bear that distinguishing mark of a Christian, loving other people in a world where relationships aren't always awesome. Uh, today we're talking about family, though. Okay, we're talking about family. Now, growing up, here's what I want you to think about: growing up, who was your favorite TV family? Okay, who was your favorite TV family? Think about the TV shows that you watched. What families were represented and who was your favorite? Um, I asked our student leadership team to give me some of their answers. Here's what they came up with. So the Simpsons was one, um, which I don't know if I can condone this, but it's 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 funny. But um, uh, the Matthews family from Boy Meets World, great show. I mean, it's kind of older. I grew up with Boy Meets World, but that's a great show. Uh, the Brady Bunch was another one, um, which, I mean, again, older, but... Yeah, awesome, awesome show, right? Some of you grew up with that. Um, Good luck, Charlie, anybody? The Duncans? Okay, my girls watch that still. Um, It's a goofy show for sure. Um, One of the best Christmas movies ever, Home Alone, The McAllisters. Arguably one of the worst families ever, leaving their kid two years in a row at home. It's pretty bad, but... And then the one, I had to put it, but someone mentioned Caillou. (laughs) Ugh, no. Caillou's a creep, man. I think Caillou's a creep. He's weird. I don't like it. But that was our students. Now, our, I asked our adults as well. Okay, now they're older. Okay, so some of these you might have never heard of. Who knows? But somebody said the Cunninghams from Happy Days. You guys ever heard of Happy Days? Any of you in here? Yeah, okay, so you got the Cunninghams. The Keatons from Family Ties. Anybody? Anybody recognize the young Michael J. Fox over here? Yeah? Um. So, one of my favorite shows growing up, is a little bit before my time, but we still watched it, The Wonder Years, you had The Arnold's, The Wonder Years, and they just did a reboot of that, I think it didn't go very well, <laughs> but uh, The Wonder Years, um, and then some of my absolute favorites, you have The Winslows from Family Matters, this is one of my favorite shows growing up, um, The Taylors from Home Improvement, okay, watched this show religiously, like every episode we watched this show. Um, But then the one that had both students and adults that mentioned it, and it really was one of my absolute favorite shows growing up. I watched it a ton as a kid, and that is The Tanners from Full House. Any Full House fans? Full House was great. I mean, I love this family. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Man, how sad. But I loved this family. They had, man, they had the awesome house, right? San Francisco. They had cool uncles, the cute little sister that always said and did goofy things, the weird neighbor, Kimmy, over here. She was always a goofball, right? And, and, you know, anytime something dramatic happened, they would get in a fight or whatever, you'd always have this music, this emotional music that played in the background, and then they'd all come to their senses, and they'd all be happy again at the end of the episode, and it was just magical, right? And it was super cheesy. Like, obviously, it was very, very cheesy. And I liked watching it, because um, it it seemed like that's how families were supposed to be. Like, this is how it was supposed to be. And in real life, though... (laughs) My family couldn't be any more different from the Tanners. Uh, Mine was more like a reality TV show, right? There was yelling, there was slammed doors, there was a mayonnaise jar that was thrown one time. True story, not me. I didn't do it. Wasn't me. But one of my siblings threw a mayonnaise jar at my mom. It was wild. Never saw that happen on Full House, did you? Nobody ever threw a mayonnaise jar on Full House, but. My family had a lot of great moments. I mean, I love my family. They had a lot of really good moments, but we also had a lot of really messed up moments. And every time things got crazy, I would think to myself as, as, a, as a young person, like, I don't, I don't know if this is how this is supposed to be. I don't know if this is how families are supposed to act with each other. Maybe your family has a lot more reality show moments rather than perfect TV family moments. Um, and maybe, like me, you noticed as you got older, Um, you started to pick up on some things that were a little off, right? Things you didn't notice when you were really little, but as you got older, you're like, I'm kind of noticing some things. Things like tension. You notice that there's tension in your family, right? Maybe it's not slamming doors, but there's this this tension that happens in your family, stress that maybe you didn't see when you were younger, and you feel it about to surface when your parents start talking about money or vacations, grandparents, step-siblings, any number of subjects, right? And so it makes your house a stressful place to live. Um, Maybe some secrets, right? This is reality. Maybe if you've gotten older, you've discovered there's some things that you didn't know about your family and maybe you wish you wouldn't have ever known about your family. Secrets about relationships, maybe affairs, maybe legal problems, really bad decisions from the past, things like that. And then certainly there are fractures. There's fractures in our family. Maybe your family has just some obvious broken spots. Maybe there's divorce. Maybe there's remarriage that is a little messy. Maybe there's redivorce that's a little bit messy. And, and maybe when you were younger it didn't seem like that big a deal, but as you've gotten older you've realized, man, this is really affecting a lot. It's affecting you way more than you thought it would. Whatever the issue is, I think you guys have started to probably realize you know this that your family is a little messed up, right? Our families are a little messed up. Your family's not like the family down the street, or my family is not like that, that perfect family at church that we see every Sunday. And maybe it's led you to think the same thing that I thought, you know, like I said earlier, that, man, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. Listen, if you feel that way, or if you have felt that way, you're not alone, okay? Probably everybody in this room has looked at their family and thought, man, I don't know if that's how dad's supposed to act. I don't know if that's how mom's supposed to treat me or my siblings. That's not how Siblings are supposed to treat each other, and so we compare our family with somebody else's, and it feels like, man, we're just not measuring up. We're just not measuring up at all. Here's the truth, though. In some way or another, every family is fractured. That's just the truth. This isn't like just a Christian thing. This isn't like a church thing. This is just a people thing, okay? This is a people thing. So that's why I think no matter what you believe about God, I think what we talk about tonight can help you. Um, because we all live in a family, again, in some way, shape, or form that makes it kind of feel like a reality show, like it's just a little bit off. Um, Now, I think for most of us, most of the messed up parts about our families are things that we can't control, which is tough, right? Um, And so because of that, we typically respond in, in one of two ways. One, we either we count them out. We count them out. We just decide, you know what, our dad's not a good dad. Or stepmom is just a really bad role model, and, and you know, they'll, they'll never be good. And so we use that as a reason or an excuse to not listen to them, to not treat them with respect. We say things like, you know, I don't have to listen to you because you did da 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 Or I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to do that because you didn't do da 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 right? We count them out. We hold it against them. The second thing is we count ourselves out. And by this, I mean um, that we kind of give up on our own families, We stay away as much as possible. We stay in our rooms when we're home. Maybe you've had this thought of just, you know what, I've had enough. Like, I've had enough. I'm done with my dad doing that or saying that. I'm done with my mom nagging me. I'm done. I'm just done, right? And so I'm just counting the days until I can get out of the house and just leave forever and never come back. And I think even if your family is messed up, I think there's something inside of all of us that, that realizes that that kind of reaction isn't good. It's probably not real healthy, right? So what other options do you have? Like if I can't fix my fractured family on my own and then just giving up on them isn't right either, what can I do? What else can I do here? Well, the family we're going to talk about today I think helps us understand this a little bit better. Um, When when we talk about this, you're going to think, I have nothing in common with this family. You do, okay? We all do. It's a pretty wild family. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews. It's a, uh, the book of Hebrews is a letter that's written to Jewish Christians who lived just after the time of Jesus. We don't know who wrote it, but the purpose was to try and encourage these Jesus followers who were trying to live their life in the midst of just some really tough things that were going on. Um, and one of the ways the author tries to encourage them is to remind them of some really great stories of faith that happened in their past with their ancestors. Uh, Chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And it's because there's just some really legendary people with some cool stories um, who, kind of like a Hall of Fame, deserve to have their stories told. People like Noah and Abraham and Moses. Those people have really powerful stories. But kind of in the middle of that, we have just these, all these random people that like their stories are pretty wild, um, including the family that we're going to talk about. Hebrews 11, verse 20 says this It was by faith, you write that down, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, isn't that nice? Perfect little TV family, right? Oh, blessings to you, my sons. I love you. And they lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. If you've ever heard this story, it's terrible. <laughs> um, the, the people who are reading the book of Hebrews are looking at this going, man, I know the story of Jacob and Esau and their dad, Isaac, and, and, and I know what happened here, and it's wild. Uh, let me let me explain, for those of you who maybe don't know. Um, God promised Abraham, um, who the Bible says is the father of all Jewish people, that he was going to have a ton of descendants. God said, hey, I'm gonna, the whole earth is going to be blessed through you. And so eventually Abraham had a son named Isaac, um, and he got married and had his own children, and so the blessing passed from Abraham to Isaac. And then Isaac had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. And typical brothers, they grew up fighting with each other. Um, And, you know, there's tension there, but they never forgot the promise that was made to their grandfather, Abraham. God promised that Abraham would be a great nation. He'd be the beginning of a great nation. And so that was going to get passed down. And so eventually it had to go through one of them, either Jacob or Esau, right? Because their dad, Isaac, got the blessing. And so it's got to go through one of them. This is where things get tricky. Toward the end of Isaac's life, um, he's old. He calls both of his sons in and he's going to give his final blessing. And so in their culture, the way that it worked it's kind of like last wills in, in our culture, in our, in our world. Um, it's the legal passing on of the family's wealth, and it's from parent to child. And it determined who the next leader of the family was going to be. And so um, ultimately, the promise of God was going to end up going through this person as well. Um, and, and, and basically, this most of the time went to the oldest child. And even though these guys were twins, Esau was born first. And so the, the biggest blessing would have gone to him. Um, and so this is what Isaac, he's talking to, to Esau. He says, hey, uh Genesis 27, 4. Prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like. Bring it to me so that I can eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Simple enough, right? Plot twist. <laughs> Jacob and Esau's mom, Rebecca, had been eavesdropping. And she thought that the younger brother, Jacob, deserved the blessing and should be the family leader. And so she tells Jacob, hey, go get a goat, come back, we'll prepare his favorite meal, and we'll sneak this in. Isaac's old, he doesn't see very well, so we'll sneak you in there, and you can steal the blessing from your older brother. Um, Jacob's not sure about this. He's like, man, Mom, I don't know why, but or I don't know why we should do this, or, or if we should do this, not for the reason that you think. Verses 11 through 13 says, but look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and my skin's really smooth. What if my father touches me and sees... Um, the, or he'll see that I'm tricking him, and he'll curse me instead of bless me. And the mother replied, let the curse fall on me, my son. Do what I tell you. Go out and get goats for me. So Rebecca's not even trying to hide the fact that she has a favorite son at this point. It's pretty ridiculous. Makes your mom look pretty good, right, I would assume. Um, so Rebecca eventually convinced Jacob to trick his dad into getting the blessing. He puts animal hair on himself so that when the father touches him, he's hairy. Um, and It worked. It worked. It's this wild, dramatic moment, just like a reality TV show, but it's, it's here in the Bible. Esau finds out what happens. He obviously is not happy. He has this heated conversation. The Bible tells us that he's planning to kill his brother, Jacob, and the mom convinces Jacob to go and live with an uncle so that he doesn't get murdered, okay? Now, how's that for family drama, all right? That's family drama. Um, maybe it makes you feel a little bit better, better about your family, just a little bit. Um, but what's so fascinating about this is that thousands of years later, this letter to the Hebrews uses these people as an example of faith. Like, how could this family be an example of faith? It doesn't make any sense. They're a mess, right? But this is what the Hebrew writer says. Remember, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons. In the midst of all this drama, we forget that, that even though there's all these weird moments, even though there's all these bad things, this is, this is a way of God saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. What I said is true. Good things are going to happen down the road in the future of your family. It was believing that their family story, even though it was crazy, wasn't over. God had a plan, and they trusted him through that. Now, it might not seem like a big deal, but I think for some of us, believing that for our own families would be huge. It'd be a game changer. If you walked in here tonight thinking, man, my family is fractured, my family is messed up, you're right. You're right. Your family is fractured. Your family is messed up. All families are fractured because they're made up of fractured, broken people, including you, okay? The blame's not all on your parents or your siblings or your grandparents or whoever. You're messed up too. You're a broken person. But it doesn't mean it's the end of the story, okay? In fact, I think for a lot of you, your greatest act of faith is to believe this. Our bottom line for tonight is this. God can use a fractured family. You need to understand that. God can use a fractured family. Now, what does this mean? How does this play out? Two things real quick as we end. One, don't count them out. Okay, we tend to do that, but don't. Your family is messed up. It's gonna be messed up. Everybody who lives at your house is a fractured person. But when they mess up, don't write them off. Don't treat them like that's the last thing they're ever going to do, like their story is over. It's not. Believe the best about them, even when their actions aren't the best. Believe the best about them. And the second thing is don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out. You don't know what's going to happen next, so don't check out. Don't ignore your family. Don't, Don't just sit there and daydream about a time when you get to leave and never come back. I think you're missing out on what could be an incredible part of the story that God is writing in your family. So this week, when you're tempted to just walk away or you're tempted to just ignore them, I want you to engage with them. Talk to your family. Listen to your family. Pray for your family. Ask questions about things that they love and then actually listen to them. Talk to them about those things. When you do that, you're communicating not only that God is still a part of the family, but that you are too, that you're sticking around too. Guys, we were made for relationships. and That includes our families. It's God's design, okay? I want you to think about which members of your family you're tempted to just give up on and walk away from. And what would it look like for you to not count them out, but to instead engage with them talk to them, love them well, regardless of what they do. The reality is no family's perfect ever, okay? In fact, most of our families are way more broken than people realize. But God can still use your family, my family, the families of everybody in this room for his purpose. So don't count them out and don't give up on them, okay?